Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 32 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, we're back with the great LTN team at the LTN Virtual Studios after recording the last episode at home, and I'm happy to be back. Tom, you picked the topic for this episode, and we start the summer with what's definitely a hot topic. It sure is a hot topic, Dennis. The, this episode, we're going to be talking about the smartphone market and the incredible explosion in new phones for us to choose from this summer. In our second segment, we'll have another round of things Tom and Dennis have been talking about, and as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use uh, the second that this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, uh, and that's smartphones. Uh, I wanted to talk on this topic because uh, next week we'll see another phase, I think, in the evolution of the smartphone, which is the release of of iPhone 4. Uh, iPhone, uh, Apple had been sort of resting on its laurels for a while and not really improving things, but I think that we're seeing a real interesting upgrade uh, with iPhone 4. And and really, it's a wonderful time uh, for smartphones right now. The range of choices has never been better, and there are lots of things out there for uh, for consumers. Dennis, with all the new phones that are on the market, with all their great features, have you yet been persuaded to buy one? Well, I mean, the question is, have I been persuaded to upgrade or to move to a different phone from from what I have? And the the fact is, I've really given the i the new iPhone a lot of thought in in ways that I I never have before, and I I still haven't gone all the way for reasons that we'll we'll get into later. But it is really a phenomenon what's happening with the smartphones these days. I heard something this morning saying that Nokia was talking about the difficulties they're having because the everybody is moving to smartphones and. The cell phone market has really taken a drop because uh, people prefer the smartphone for for a variety of reasons. Um, and and the iPhone 4 launch was was our pre-order launch earlier this week was spectacular as a failure in that people overloaded the AT&T systems <laughs> trying to yeah. trying to get these phones, um, which I think. Uh, Makes it uh, you know a continuing thing from for all the versions of iPhone through iPhone 4 that there's been trouble with pre-ordering through AT&T. Um, there's a John Piskowski on uh, Digital Daily who writes really funny tech headlines. Had a great headline uh, recently that said analysts raise iPhone 4 sales forecasts from enormous to ginormous. And so we, <laughs> there just seems to be like a big burst of interest in the iPhone, the Android phones, and and, and the other smartphones out there. 
Uh, Tom, what's your take? You know, I, I like the highly technical term that uh, that John uses there, but but I think he's right. I think that iPhone 4 is going to be very popular, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm an iPhone user, and I, I think what Apple does that has sort of hurt them a little bit in the in, in the recent months is that they they come out with with something and they set the standard. When the iPhone originally came up came out, it was the standard for smartphones. And they rested on their laurels for a while. They said, "We're the best one. We don't." Have have to to evolve and and you see smartphones come out primarily Android phones which we're going to talk quite a bit about here and uh, and they offer features that the iPhone doesn't and iPhone has been slow to evolve and so I think this is getting to a point uh, the the new iPhone four is getting to a point that gets us close to to what Android's doing but there's still some differences and I think that there are many is it really going to come down to personal preference I wanted to just cover sort of what I think are the the major changes in iPhone 4 that I think are most interesting. The uh, the first one, and the one that was most important to me, is multitasking. I've talked about it on the iPad episode, that that's one of the things that, that would keep me from, from using an iPad, is the ability to have multiple things open. And that's been a real weakness of the iPhone for a while. It now has a sort of multitasking that is, uh, from what I understand, sufficient to, to... You can run things in the background, your GPS, you can run songs in the background your, uh, while you're uh, in other programs. And I think that'll be a very important step. Being able to have your folders and applications, uh, they've been touting the fact that it's going to have a, a, a five megapixel camera on the front and then also, uh, I mean, on the back of the phone so you can take pictures. And then there's a phone on a camera on the front so you can have video chats and watch people on the screen. One of the things that I've heard about it is, is that the resolution is supposed to be just spectacular. One of the best uh, screen resolutions of any smartphone that's out there. And I've seen lots of articles out there saying that that they the people who've looked at the new iPhone think that it may be the best made uh, smartphone out there right now but there are certainly limitations would uh, would you agree with uh, the consensus of the reviewers right now Dennis uh, yeah Tom I'm, I'm really interested in the iPhone and the reason it's gotten my attention is there's there's three things so one is that amazing screen resolution people are talking about to, to have that sharp clear screen maybe as clear as we've ever seen on a device like that mm-hmm. yep. the second the second thing that I I'm really intrigued by a lot and we'll talk about it in connection with some of the other smartphones is Apple's really rigorous emphasis on battery life and what we're hearing about battery life on the Apple products compared to the the other products. Now, in part, I understand some of that is part of Apple's reluctance to go to multitasking is that uh, multitasking will will help eat up batteries. So um, there may be method to to Apple's madness on, on, on multitasking. And the third thing is um, the apps platform, what I've always called the mobile platform. So especially with that screen resolution, is the iPhone going to give me the best tool to get me to the mobile platform? And I'm really coming around to that direction. But there's a lot, uh, you know, but we're still in the world of Apple uh, where it's a closed system. Apple dictates a lot of things. And, uh, and, and that's what started the interest in the Android 
platform, which is really the opposite. It's a more open platform, and there's a lot happening in the Android world, right, Tom? No, that you're right, and and I think that in the tech world, the, the, if you listen to the tech commentators, they they're very much the Google fanboys now, and it's primarily because Apple is so closed and doesn't allow, um, uh, you know, it is very closed with its applications. Now that that is a uh, both a, a benefit and a disadvantage to Apple because by by having it closed, at least in terms of the applications, they have some measure of quality control where Android applications can can have uh, very poor quality. And I've heard lots of stories about uh, about Android phones malfunctioning because of the applications that have been designed by you know anybody who who wants to design their own application. But uh, what the interesting thing about Android to me is that because it is open source, because it is being used by so many people or so many companies to design phones is that users are always having trouble figuring out when they have the latest and greatest because it seems like the latest and greatest is coming out once every two or three days almost it's not that it's not that fast but it seems like it's that fast that we we first saw the droid come out and the droid was great and then a couple of months later Google released the Nexus 1 which everybody thought was great and then now uh, a couple of months after that the incredible comes out which everybody agrees is incredible but then they talk about the Evo. And so users of Droid phones are getting a little frustrated because they don't know, you know, how long can I keep this before something new comes out? And, uh, and, and that's one issue I think that, 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 Google has uh, is that they really need to, to do a better job of standardizing on things. And uh, that's when you look at some of the charts to see who owns, you know, what what model of smartphone. Apple's been losing share simply because there are so many different phones that run the Android platform uh, that in, with Apple, it's just the iPhone. And so you're going to you're going to see those uh, uh, that that kind of uh, that kind of breakdown. I, as far as the other uh, brands, you don't hear much about them. I mean, we'll talk about BlackBerry. BlackBerry is uh, is still the, the the gold standard, I think, for most businesses. Although many businesses are moving to other smartphones, iPhones, and Android phones, but but the blue uh, BlackBerry is still the the, the major uh, other competitor to them. Palm was recently purchased by uh, HP. I really don't think and, and see Palm as lasting very much longer. I almost see that that HP bought Palm just to, to get the rights to the, the technology that they use. And and then we we haven't even talked about Windows 7 mobile. And uh, frankly, I don't know, Dennis, have you heard anything about Windows 7 and where it stands in the smartphone market? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some about Windows 7, and it reminds me of the, the Android hardware market. I mean, people are just saying, oh, there's this apps in, in the aptly named Incredible. I've, I don't know that I've ever seen reviews for hardware, anything like that HTC Incredible, except for the Evo uh, reviews. And, and at the end, I'm, I'm still confused whether they're just different names for the same product brought out by different carriers or they're completely different phones or you know what what's the difference between these windows 7 also people are going this is this is really going to be something it has a lot of benefits especially in the the business world but the concern i would have is is uh, microsoft a little bit late 
to market on this with with this you know all the movement to smartphones now could be the year from now we'll find out that you know it's become a solid competitor but um, the Android the iPod the, these and BlackBerry have all gotten real big head starts on on the the Windows 7 environment and we're we're not really sure what the the hardware is going to be so Tom what are sort of the big things that you would you would point to these days on making a decision about a smartphone in, in what's admittedly a confusing market. Well, you know, it's going to depend a lot on the personal preference and what you want to use your phone for. If you use your phone primarily for email, and that's really all it is, a communication device, then you're probably going to get uh, along with a BlackBerry very well, and you don't need much more, because even BlackBerry has started using applications. And I think that, that, that we've, and we've talked about this on numerous podcasts, but the, app, the apps, I think, are what defines what uh, many of these smartphones can do. But if you look at a comparison chart between just Google and Android, there are so many other things that are the, the 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 features. You know, the ease of use. The iPhone is incredibly easy to use. Where sometimes the the Androids are a little bit harder to use. Uh, battery life. Apple, I think, is improving on it. They, the iPhone battery life used to not be very good, but in general, I think that uh, it's it's getting a little bit better. Uh, whether or not you can uh, uh, browse on the web, what type of web browsing experience you want to have, whether it matters or not. BlackBerry generally has a very poor browsing experience where you're going to get very good ones on both the iPhone and on Android. Do you want to play games on it? I'm going off a business topic for a second here, but but uh, Droid doesn't really have the, the game market th- uh, the same way that iPhone does. So you want a music player. I, I wanted to have an all-in-one device, and that's why it's nice to have the iPhone with the sort of iPod that's, uh, that's built into it. If you use a Droid or a BlackBerry, you're going to have to download a third-party app that, that deals with that uh, uh, so th- to me, those are some of the issues I, I, I am looking at. And I guess I guess the main issue is uh, if it makes a difference to you, what carrier do you use? Are you happy with the carrier you have? You will be limited by the uh, by by the model that you want uh, as to which carrier you particularly have. To me, it's not such a big deal. But uh, to many, there are many people who despise AT&T being with uh, with the iPhone. Those are some of the issues I think that are that I would look at that would be important to me. What about you, Dennis? Well, I, I think the carrier question is huge. Um, so for me, um, I'm on Verizon. Uh, there's a be a huge, well, not huge, but there's a big cost and in inconvenience and dollars in switching to something. So when I look at the the iPhone 4, I look at all the hassle. And, and you know, there's no secret the cell, cell phone carriers do not make it easy for you to switch uh, switch things, and you have no idea what it's ultimately going to cost you to to make that change. You know, the bill is going to surprise you, and so you go. I almost would rather wait to the iPhone. Maybe someday makes it to Verizon and and go that route. People also have you know how much how much time is on your plan. Can you trade in? You know, lots. Lots of issues like that. There's some interesting talk uh, I saw yesterday that with the the, the real failure, um, frankly, of AT and T on this pre-order thing for the iPhone 4, whether that in itself will kind of start to push Apple to to move to other carriers. So that's intriguing. Um, you know, I installed a new version of iTunes last night. Had some you know serious <laughs> difficulties with it. I always struggle with iTunes as a program, and to and so the idea of moving to an iPhone and relying 
then iTunes is a way to update it and move data on it and, uh, you know, songs and all that is a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm very wary of that. Um, so there's some things out there. Philosophically, I think the open platform of Android is, is attractive for that, that reason alone. So I, I think everybody's case, uh, you know, varies a bit, but it's certainly, I you just see this big movement, um, from people who don't have smartphones to smartphones and it's, and, uh, just a lot of choices out there. I don't know, Tom, do you have a couple tips maybe that we, you can give people as for the choice they might want to make? Well, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, my biggest tip is, is if you're with a carrier that you like, go and see what version of phone that carrier uses and then do your, do your research on it. I, I would guess that if you're not on AT&T and the iPhone is not an option for you, if you're on Verizon or T-Mobile or Sprint, there will be an Android version of phone that's, that is available in, on your carrier. And so I'd start there and look and see what's available and how it matches up. You know, I, I want to just respond briefly to what you had said about, about the iPhone and AT&T. If you're going to buy an iPhone 4, I'd, I, I wouldn't recommend going through AT&T to do it. I'd go to the Apple store. The experience is a lot more pleasant, and uh, it's it's just an easier experience overall. Uh, the other the other interesting thing about AT&T is, is that I think they're sort of gearing up for losing their exclusivity on the iPhone because they've now jacked up the early termination fee to something like $375, and uh, they've also put caps on your data if you didn't have... Uh, already get grandfathered in with an unlimited data plan, then you will have a, a cap on, on your data, which doesn't matter to a lot of people, but there are some people. And frankly, as as we begin to consume more data, as it becomes easier to watch movies and do things on your phone, that will become an issue as well. So maybe another tip is to uh, look at the carrier that you're using and see what they charge for data right now and whether that's going to be an issue for you. It may, it may not, but if you're a heavy video consumer, then that may be something you want to think think of uh, as well. Dennis, anything else to uh, to carry us out? Yeah, to, to take us out, I think your tip of going to the Apple Store, uh, you know, rather than through AT&T is a great one. And, and the, the thing I'll leave people with is, is my experience with my daughter when she upgraded her phone recently. It goes to something I always say, that she narrowed it down to two phones, and it was really almost impossible to tell the difference between them. But what she did and, and, and what we looked at together for what seemed to be an hour was she looked <laughs> at how she actually would use it. So how how would it look when she how would it work when she is texting? How would things show up? That sort of thing. And she made her decision based on what phone best fit the way that she planned to use it. And that to me, uh, right there is is the way to go. Figure out how you want to use it. Know the things you're likely to use it for, and then spend a little bit of time with the phones in your hand and see how they work to do the things that you want them to do. Yep, that's absolutely the number one criteria for getting a smartphone. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our great sponsor, Clio. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. 
Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We have another edition of what Tom and Dennis have actually been talking about lately. But I also want to remind listeners they can send us questions about legal technology, and we'll try to answer them in, in our episodes in a question and answer segment. Tom, I've been pestering you lately about creating our own iPhone app. Uh, when you hear that kind of talk from me, what do you think? Well, the first thing I think is that you've probably discovered a way to add three more hours to the day because it's yet one other thing that we'd, we'd have to be doing. But I think the second my major question is, why create an app? What's what's the reasoning for creating an app? And and I have a very specific uh, specific thought about apps in this that's that's driving my question. But I'll ask you first: Why would an app be something that you and I would want to create for the podcast or for our book or for whatever it is you're thinking about? Well, I think it's it's a new platform. It's a new channel. So I look as you know, Tom. I look at everything as a new channel. It's okay. So I had to have a website because that was a channel to an audience. I had to have a blog, you know, Facebook, all these different things. And I say, now it looks like people are going to apps. And then I was listening to a podcast where somebody said, "Hey, you know, these an app that's just an." You know, an aggregated feed reader is actually really easy to do and very inexpensive. And so I say, well, we have a podcast um, we have an audience for. We have a book we have an audience for. What if we can do a simple app that will aggregate the different feeds and information that come out of our podcasts, our blogs, and then we create this app that's low cost, and we put it out and let it see if it finds its own audience in the same way that we did with Twitter and things like that. And we're, we're in this new, this, this new platform. And it, it makes sense to me because it would be a free app, uh, easy to do. And, and we reach a different audience and an audience of new, uh, adopters. And, and some of the people would be most interested in the types of things that we're talking about. And we'd, we'd kind of get onto the screen that they look at on a regular basis, which is, their iPhone or, or you know, potentially Android or BlackBerry app. Here's the reason why I asked the question, because I'm very picky about the apps that I use. And the apps that I have on my iPhone have to provide me with regular value that I can get to. And if if it's just an aggregator, now I, I can get all of that information for the most part through my Google Reader. And and I could get it that way. And so I would need to have if 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 there was a particular podcast that I followed or a particular group, I always have a difficulty um, in downloading that kind of an app because it's one more app to crowd up my screen that I can get the information someplace else. And that's my main that's that would be my main. I haven't said no to you yet, Dennis, but that would be my main uh, objection to doing it. I, I guess the other question is uh, and. And is we would need to make that app not just an iPhone app. We'd need to make it uh, uh, c- compatible with Android and maybe even BlackBerry as well. Is that something that we could be doing when we were developing this app? Well, I mean, possibly, but I, I would concentrate on the iPhone app because I think that's that's 
where where the market really is. And 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 my thought too is that Tom, you know, interestingly, you and I are not the best audience for this app because we live in Google Reader. We're in the world of RSS, and so we'd be saying, why would we add feed information? in another place than where we already get it. I, I spoke to a, to a group of lawyers this morning, and I asked how many people were using Google Reader, and it was like, you know, 3% of the room. So but if so, you're saying, here's an audience that's sort of using iPhone apps. They would see an app that provided information that maybe they would think they need to go to your, your blog, my blog, different places, and go around and do that. And they're not really familiar with the notion of RSS and, and readers. And then they would have this app that would say, hey, on a regular basis, I get information of, you know, from Dennis's blog, Tom's blog, their group blogs, new articles from them, uh, news of their new podcasts, you know, that, that sort of thing. And if people aren't using a lot of uh, of apps, then it's potentially a uh, you know way to to reach an audience that we wouldn't reach in, in the normal types of things we do. Uh, our, our friend Marty Schwimmer pointed me the other day to a to an app called App Tourney, and which is sort of this aggregated ideas and uh, it brings together some intellectual property law resources in one place, and it's. You know, it's if you use iPhone apps, it's kind of a handy little resource to have. And if it's free, um, then you've captured some of the iPhone screen space and you've gotten people's attention who who use the iPhone as a way to get information. You know, my um, my my response, hearing you talk about uh, about Marty's uh, the app that Marty mentioned uh, reminded me of a post I saw earlier this week or maybe last week on iPhone JD about an application on making objections in court so that if you needed to make an objection on a specific topic, it would give you the form of the objection to make. And at first glance, I thought, hey, this is a great little reference to have on the iPhone. My second reaction to it and and why I think that having data in an iPhone app, you have to really think about what the information is going to be, is that an app like this could squelch the the ability or the need to think on your feet. If you're just reading from an app and reading that text, you've got to be able to to modify your objection in trial based on what you're hearing and not based on what's in the uh, in the in the app. And so I think that uh, for me, anyway, the lesson is, is that if you're providing information, especially on a legal basis, that uh, you've got to really think through how others are going to use it and and whether or not you're uh, you're providing something that's really useful to them. I'm still not completely convinced on my end, Dennis, but if our listeners are and they want to create an app, we'll post a link in the show notes uh, for 13 tools for building your own iPhone app, a, a, a number of different tools that are out there that you can use to uh, to experiment and create your own app that you can sell in the iPhone app store. And people can let us know if they think we should we should try to do an i an iPhone app. Um, I sort of think it is sort of the next next audience that's in, intriguing to me. Uh, time time for our parting shots and one tip website or observation you can use the second the podcast ends. Take it away. You know my um, my parting shot this week comes from our fellow Legal Talk Network uh, host Bob Ambrogi, and it is the Judgepedia. Uh, he posted on his website a, a while back, and it is a uh, Wikipedia for judges. It's an in- design uh, called an interactive encyclopedia of courts and judges. It is a work in progress, but I find that it is a very 
interesting concept of uh, centralized information on judges. You can get information on federal district courts and appeals courts. You can learn how judges are selected. You can investigate philosophy of the law. Um, but getting to information on specific judges in specific courts, uh, to me, is very intriguing. And having it all in one place rather than having to go by court to find it, I think, is a great tool. Uh, again, it's a work in progress. There'll be a lot of stuff that's not there, but uh, it's something that I think anybody can edit. And if it's uh, you may be able to go and contribute to it. So, judgepedia.org. Uh, Dennis. You know, when people ask me to recommend podcasts, uh, well, actually, if anybody asked me, ever asked me to recommend a podcast, um, one of the ones I would recommend these days is from the BBC. It's called A History of the World in 100 Objects. Um, and they're these nice 14-minute podcasts. And the idea is they take a look at a specific object from history, mainly taken from uh, the British museums, and they discuss the history of the time, the role that object played, and what it tells us about the culture. And it's absolutely fascinating. And you can learn all this stuff. I learned the stuff about the Tang Dynasty in China this this morning and their burial practices and what that meant about the bureaucracy they had and and their their what they what it their approach to what their stories, the stories of their rulers that needed to live on after they died. And it's a fascinating thing. So you can spend 14 minutes, really get up to date on history with a unique perspective or seven minutes if you if you listen to it in, in double time. And it's a fascinating thing. And it makes you wonder when archaeologists look at our objects, like our smartphones that we use for two years and then, and then dispose of, what that will will tell them about our culture as well. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. We're on Twitter at tkmreport. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please don't hesitate to email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Remember that you can listen to this podcast on whatever smartphone you choose. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>